0: Grew up in a little house of eight kids. Nobody prepared me for how life is, but I learned a lot of prayers. Dad thought God was all there was, and we knew when we broke his heart we'd quickly be the way we're members of the bad, bad family, bad family. Bad Family, a podcast about black sheep, bad kids. Bad family. Let's get started. (gasps) Hey guys, how's it going? Hey Lauren. (gasps) Hey. I'm in (laughs) the middle of a
1: huge yawn. Hey. I'm tired.
0: That's okay. We are really excited to have our sister Lauren back with us recording today. Hello. Hello. For anyone, (sighs) for anyone uh, joining us for the very first time, Lauren, do you want to give a about yourself uh
1: yes i am i am the number six child of eight children i live in charlotte north carolina with my husband and two daughters and
0: i'm a virgo Ooh, virgo i actually didn't know that i don't think i've looked up everybody's signs
1: yep a Virgo, same as Beyonce. <laughs> so, kind of similar vibes.
0: Perfect. I Love, it. Thank you. Love it. Love uh, it. I think I do actually
1: know everybody's signs.
0: Tell us. <laughs> um,
1: Lincoln's a Libra? Or a. Lincoln's a Libra. Yep. Courtney is a Gemini. Yeah. Jamie's also a Gemini. Make the- Capricorn. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I think she's a Capricorn.
0: Wait, who's a Capricorn?
1: Megan. Yeah. Um, Cap is Mom's a Libra. Tua is a Cancer, I think. Uh, I think and...
0: Tua might be a Gemini. June 19th. Yeah, that's real close to... That's
2: Gemini, I think.
1: Uh, yeah, Gemini then. And then Sarah is... What's July? A cancer. That's cancer. Well, there well,
0: I, well, there cool. you go. I know almost nothing about astrological signs, although, when <laughs> I lived in uh, Massachusetts, people are really into your signs. So, when, when you're talking about birthdays without fail, or when you're talking about astrological signs, people always have an opinion. So when I would tell people I was a Gemini, they would say, shut up. No, you're not. <laughs> Why? I guess like in Massachusetts, they know all the, not only do they know all the signs, but they know all of the like personality traits that are supposed to be assigned to each sign. And no one ever thought that I was a typical Gemini. My personality, I guess.
2: They said, I knew you were two-faced. <laughs> oh, no. The twins.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they would I mean it was just funny to me. it wasn't like it happened once, it happened like five times where someone would say, Shut up. No you're not. <laughs> I can see you being a Gemini from what I know about. What it. are you <laughs> Are you saying that I'm two faced?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was true. No, that's terrible. Uh I just always think of Geminis as being like straight talkers. And Uh, like go-getters.
2: All the Gemini's I know are very smart.
0: Ooh, thank you. Mm -hmm. I always conceptualized being a Gemini like, not like being two-faced, but like having two sides like everyone does, you know, like a light and a dark of yourself blending (laughs) together into a whole... Which I think is accurately me you know (laughs) like everyone does good girl girl, but
2: mainly me (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: um well for the i guess kind of our signs were kind of like a tell us apart segment um i didn't really plan a tell us apart segment for this episode i was thinking we could we could tell each other about our favorite 4th of july memory but i didn't know if that was too hokey Hmm. did you mean honky just kidding (laughs) (laughs) okay kind of honky (laughs) well you know i've been like remin i've been thinking a lot about america obviously since it was the 4th of july yesterday but then um yesterday i went to this rereading of um frederick Douglass's famous speech like what to the slave is the fourth of july Uh local park which was excellent but there were people there holding signs and one lady was holding this sign that said fuck your barbecue (laughs) (laughs) and after reading that sign i was like maybe it's kind of hokey to talk about favorite fourth of july memories but at the same time fourth of july is my favorite holiday it is really yeah
1: it is it used to be be my favorite when i was living in provo
2: yeah why it's just fireworks
0: it's just (laughs) fun my tradition for the 4th of july in new york is to go to the beach which obviously in covid didn't happen but typically on 4th of july i get up early with my friends we we take the ferry to the end of manhattan we've got our coolers we have like bag Bathe- New York bagels and our iced coffees and our like bathing suits and sundresses and then we get on the ferry and it's like an hour beautiful boat ride ferry you know down to the beach. We go to like Jacob Rees Beach and then all day we're just you know, at the beach having a few drinks, chatting <laughs> Yeah, it's, like, super summer. A couple brewskis, uh, some I always like my, like, beautiful summer memory. Uh, Maybe it should shame me to say that I think very, very little about uh, America on this day.
2: (laughs) That's fine. I mean, I kind of like that your favorite holiday is basically having, like, a nice summer picnic with your friends. Yeah. Um, I almost never register july 4th as a holiday just like when i think of holidays i think of christmas i think of thanksgiving and like the holiday season um and then when july 4th rolls around like if there's fireworks outside i'll go and watch them but i don't do things too big um this is the first year though where i've ever like felt anti fourth of july where i didn't want to celebrate at all though
0: right this is
1: a unique year for sure
0: i get that i saw a lot of things on my social media feed that were like fourth of july what we're still celebrating juneteenth you know with like people dancing in the street
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think i saw something like that too that was fun
0: well what are your favorite holidays if they're not the fourth of july
1: uh yeah i don't think mine is fourth of july anymore but yeah it was pretty much for the same reasons because i just love summer um um i think christmas i'm gonna go for the old tried and true yeah christmas yeah
2: mine's probably christmas
1: really christmas, although it used
0: halloween to... halloween's fun i used to it not used like to be
2: halloween for, for me now it's fun
0: my number two is Thanksgiving, because I just liked the food, friends, and family.
1: Yeah, it's good. I like Thanksgiving, too.
0: Yeah, Thanksgiving's killer. <laughs> <laughs> Yum, turkey! <laughs> well, I like stuffing.
1: That's my go-to. Thanksgiving food.
0: <laughs> Mine um, is like biscuits, mashed potatoes, and gravy all together on a sandwich.
2: Mm, that sounds great.
0: Yeah, right. Mashed potato sandwich, delicious. I guess really, what I crave at all times is like carbs. <laughs> yeah, carbs. I
2: love gravy. Turkey and gravy is so stupid good.
0: Yeah, I mean everything is just a vehicle for gravy, honestly.
1: Yeah, the gravy. I don't. I don't love turkey, but I like the gravy for sure. Yeah. Yes.
0: Well, what... I don't like turkey. How
1: I just think it's usually not very good. It's usually kind of dry and flavorless. Yeah, it's usually too dry. That's why gravy
2: exists. <laughs> gravy. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, but you know, if the meat can't stand up
0: on its own. Fair. A good trick for having a turkey that's not dry is to cook your turkey upside down.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this
1: podcast is becoming. Uh, I just like that it was cooking tip. That is a good idea.
0: I have only made turkey once in my life but it went great and I just followed this recipe it wasn't a whole turkey but it was like the main dress part which sounds little but actually is like the majority of the turkey Um, and then you I I didn't have a rack or anything so I put it in my cast iron and instead of a rack I had like a layer of potatoes and root vegetables and then I Cooked the turkey on top of it, but upside down, so the juices run back into the turkey, um, and it was perfect. That's it was great. like the best turkey ever. I felt like uh, uh, what's her name with the joy of French cooking, <laughs> Julia? Julia. I felt like Julia Childs.
1: When you say upside di- upside down, you mean breasts down?
0: Yes. So okay. it looks. That uncannily sound. wrong. Yeah, where it not where you're like, why would I ever position it like this? Yes, cooking it upside down.
1: It breasts That's
0: down though, don't you usually put the back up? You usually put I... the flat side down, but you want to put the round side down. I see.
2: I usually buy the turkey cooked at the grocery store.
0: You know, I would just as soon <laughs> have,
1: have, <laughs> have like Chinese food on
0: Thanksgiving. It's fair. No, Not me. I want my traditional. Well, anyway, what I wanted to talk about. Today, <laughs> getting to the heart of it. Um, I wanted to talk about, since I've been thinking so much so about it. Fun. What is all that noise, Lincoln? Are you rummaging through your closet?
2: <laughs> um, sorry, there. I was pulling a sandwich out of the bag. <laughs> oh, of
1: <course> <laughs> oh, you're like Somebody mystery. put some mittens on
0: that
2: mystery. man. noise.
1: Oh,
0: <laughs> I knew it was Lincoln. I just knew. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Stop shaming me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Well, what I thought I wanted to talk about today is like the mythos of America. Like all the different beliefs relative to America and the culture. I just, I've been thinking about this because obviously yesterday was the 4th of July. um, And we know You know, so many things are happening in our country right now that make us rethink what our country actually is or how fair or how just it's been for all people. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, I think I was really kind of deep diving through my thoughts on what is America um, based on um, a post. One of my friends posted on Instagram yesterday. Something that really made me think. It was my friend, Rich Nielsen, who is an incredibly smart dude. He's a political science professor at MIT. But he said, Mm. he said, today I went to clean up trash along the river and I was listening to the new Sufjan song, America, thinking about this passage from Frederick Douglass's biography, which I can read the passage in a minute. But then he said, and then I came across a huge impossible to clean up mess of patriotic classic confetti that gave five seconds of pleasure and will take 1,000 years to decompose, and it all seems like a terrible, truthful metaphor for who we are. Happy 4th of July. (laughs) I mean,
2: honestly, that's pretty real. Yeah, Yeah. and I don't
0: know if you've heard this new Sufyan song, but the lyrics are, you know, really moving and kind of grim. It says, like, I have loved you, I have grieved, I'm ashamed to admit I no longer believe, I have loved you, I received, I have treated my life for a picture of the scenery, don't do to me what you did to America. Hmm. And this Frederick Douglass quote Rich was talking about was about, you know, the inequality of slavery, For like it was from Frederick Douglass's biography, and it said... I am, thought I, not only the slave of Master Thomas, but I am the slave of society at large. Society at large has bound itself in form and in fact to assist Master Thomas in robbing me of my rightful liberty and of the just reward of my labor. Therefore, whatever rights I have against Master Thomas, I have equally against those confederated with him in robbing me of liberty." As society has marked me out as privileged plunder on the principle of self-preservation, I am justified in plundering in turn. Since each slave belongs to all, all must therefore belong to each. But I was just thinking about that and like I feel like it really got me thinking about <laughs> like what is america Not like what is it and what have we done to our country and what do we continue to do to it and what has our country done to us and how has it succeeded and how has it failed
2: mm.
1: big questions i took a class at stanford um I majored in um, American Studies.
0: So did I, I, Lindsay. (laughs) I know, I remember. (laughs) You're the same.
1: Um, But the class that I took was called Perspectives on American Identity, and it's probably the most relevant class since I left school. I just think on things that I learned or that we talked about in that class all the time as far as like what it means to be an american who gets to be a quote-unquote american Mm -hmm. um we talked about like whiteness and what it means to be white and how that definition has changed over centuries yeah it's been really interesting and actually sort of relevant i've been As you know, I've been watching a lot of TikToks in
0: quarantine
1: and I've come across a lot of like young sort of teens and young adults, uh, like indigenous TikTokers talking about um, like their cultural history and their traditions and perspectives on America. And that has been really uh, fascinating and enlightening. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Um, are most of them like, uh, I mean, clearly it's complicated and they're all individuals, but but yeah, I imagine most of them have a uh, like wariness and resentment and Uh, Yeah, well, it's interesting, actually, because a lot of them, a lot of the times they're pointing out, like, um, ways that people misunderstand their culture or misappropriate their culture. Um, But there's also a lot of generosity, even still, they're like explaining ways that you can appreciate their culture without appropriating and I think that's true of a lot of things that I've seen in the like Black Lives Matter movement too is that it's it's less about like resentment and hatred. It's more like um you know asserting their dignity. Right. <laughs> Which is just like see us as human beings. Right,
2: mm-hmm. right. Yeah well and also Are fighting against oppression me? they're so. often like over targeted for just walking down the street when they really just want to exist
0: <sighs> in any of their tiktoks lindsay did they say anything about what being an american means to them you know as immigrants or as people of color um a lot of these indigenous
1: TikTokers talk about like um, not so much what it means to be an American but uh, like their individual culture and their relationship to like this land and uh, stewardship of it and what it means to live here that has been interesting because I don't think the Western ideal of, or the Western concept of like what it means to be American has any real root to the land itself. It's like these uh, adopted European traditions. Whereas like, it does seem like a lot of indigenous beliefs are very tied to geography and, uh, and to the earth, and how we like a relationship to place and
0: the environment. I feel like a lot of our cultural now, our American culture now, in some ways is tied to the land because there are so many different regionalisms. Like, I think I talked in a previous podcast about how if you're from the South, like us, the Civil War is a huge deal, but if you're from mm-hmm. the North, It's the Revolutionary War that, like, has deeply defined Mm her identity.
1: Yeah. I don't think that's quite the same thing, though. That's, like, groups of... Yeah, that seems more bleak. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's more what? More bleak than, you know, the... Like, the natural... I don't know. Just thinking about, like, how our narrative about war has like informed so much of our so much identity around a place as opposed to like the natural beauty and like you know natural like native plants and animals Uh
0: yeah that's true. Like another theme that's highly relevant in the American mindset is the concept of the frontier. But that also (laughs) has to do with with taking over in a way, you know like the right. the idea of a frontier is
1: like maybe inherently a colonial perspective. like these the indigenous people wouldn't have thought of it as a frontier because a frontier is something that like has yet to be tamed. and that's not a concept in. That's like a Western concept.
0: Well, the concept of the frontier too also moves beyond land. Like when we actually had expanded from the East Coast to California, the frontier became, you know, technology or outer space mm-hmm. and continues to be new things that we succeed in or like new frontiers, new, new challenges to be tackled but it, it I think it became less tied to the land. Although that concept of being cutting edge and forefront, sort of whatever the cost <laughs> I yes. think it was very tied to the notion of America. I
2: that think go ahead. The um I think the like American perspective and American culture can be at odds with itself sometimes. Um, And I'll try to explain that. Basically, like America was founded on these ideals of um, opportunity and equality, but like those two fight with each other a lot um everyone wants the freedom to go after like better opportunity for themselves and people also want like equality so that everyone has equal opportunities but i think at this current moment most like there are a lot of people who do not have the opportunities as others so there's a lot of struggle and hard feelings about what does about america value more like Um, the ability for some to have the most opportunities or do they value the ability for all to have equal opportunities
0: Mm -hmm. well i think with capitalism it's the some have the most opportunities yeah (laughs) Yeah. But, but ideally it would be the everyone if not even equal opportunity that everyone had an opportunity at all Mm
2: -hmm.
0: which is not you know the case with our current situation although i am hopeful that we're on the track toward improving um i've been super interested in how identity as americans is built into our cultural literature and art as well i was thinking yesterday about um alan ginsburg's poem america and like that starts with america i've given you all and now i am nothing like the giving tree. yeah and there's also a line in that poem that's something to the effect of when can i go into the grocery store and buy what i need with my good looks Which is like, why is it which is like, why is it all about money? Or like, why can't we just have the things that we need? Or maybe he just really thought people should be giving him food.
1: (laughs) That's the beautiful thing about poetry is it can be taken all different ways. Um, Yeah, that's an interesting point about American identity in art and music and and culture and things like that i guess kind of building off of what lincoln was saying um you know i think one of the most jarring tweets i've ever read probably a couple years back was when i read something by like an indigenous or black person i can't remember um but they were essentially yeah saying that that I think it was actually my um, native friend Alicia, but she was saying that America's America was founded on, upon, like, you know, this upon on exploitation and like and slavery. Like it was built by slavery. So the irony of like having these these white founding fathers that we put up on on pedestals be writing these documents all while, like, you know, going back to their plantations and like
2: putting other people down.
1: Right. Right. Torturing these, you know, they were enslavers at the same time. So, um, I mean, that's like inherent to our founding story yeah. also that they were like men in contradiction with themselves. Um, and then i i also read a tweet recently just because of um i don't know if you guys have disney plus but mm-hmm. they just released um hamilton like a like a video recording of hamilton the musical oh, yeah. with the uh-huh. original cast um they released it yesterday i think and mm-hmm. um and i was all excited but then i read another tweet that said that um Tony Morrison, the author, who's, like, one of my favorite authors, I read a tweet that said that she, like, absolutely hated Hamilton so much that she, like, funded and wrote her own play about how bad it was um, and, like, put that out there. And I was like, dang, because, I mean, I don't know anything about her play or what, what she was saying, but, yeah, it was just making me watch it. I started – I watched half of Hamilton last night, and that was, like – I mean, it is, like, brilliantly written, Mm -hmm. but it was also making me think, like, like, yeah, what is, what is this, what is, what is the end basically? What'd you say? It works, it functions, like, it is very well written as a musical, and the raps are great, but it also functions as a piece of American propaganda. Yeah, I guess it was kind of like, well, part of me was like, yeah, this is, this is, like, amazing that it's mostly black and brown people mm-hmm. cast in it. Um, but then it's still this story of, like, pedestalizing the founding fathers still. So it's kind what? of... I mean, they they still mention... I mean, they do mention slavery a couple of times so far in the show, but it's, it's in passing. So it's a little bit, like... I don't know. It's just complicated, right? It's uh it's hard to know how to try to know whether to be to, like, go rah-rah. This is amazing. I mean, because it is like, yeah, really impressive as a piece of art. But then you're like, is this is this as far as we've gotten? <laughs> it's like to still be telling, <laughs> talking about, you know, their virtues as opposed to. But now we just have brown people.
0: Yeah. Them. I don't know. I never thought of it. I never thought of Hamilton as uh, propaganda for America. I mean, obviously, it's about a founding father, but when I saw it, which was not original cast, but I guess for me, it was more, it was just interesting. I guess what I'm trying to say is for me the part that resonated had nothing to do with the founding but was about the personal story.
1: Yeah. Well and I think like that's why trying... lin Manuel Right. That's why Lynn Manuel was like taken with the stories because he like saw this like he saw a correlation between Hamilton and like an immigrant with nothing, you know mm-hmm. coming up and like making a a name for themselves
0: yeah the struggle the struggle and the tragedy that's um, that really
2: resonated with me Mm. i (laughs) think i can recognize that there are like things wrong with the play but i still very much enjoy the musical and um i've only watched half of it too on disney plus but i'll probably watch the rest later uh i think like as we progress as a culture um, looking back at past media that we've made, especially I was like watching some movies from the 90s earlier this week, and the culture has shifted so dramatically that every other joke I'm like, racist, sexist, sexist. <laughs> <laughs> what were
1: you watching? Yeah, what was it?
2: Um, I, I recently watched. Fair, <laughs> no, I watched Clueless and I watched The Mighty Ducks.
1: Oh. Um, oh,
2: yeah. Because Disney Plus and Netflix. But <laughs> yeah, as we progress, like. Uh, I still want to enjoy these old pieces of um, these old movies that are like Mm -hmm. fun and I still find value in. But as long as I recognize that like all of these things were terrible and they came from a different time where people had much different views, I think I'm okay to like still watch them.
1: Right. I think it's, it's fine to continue to, or to consume, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. Nothing is gonna be perfect ever. But part of the experience of um, watching these things is thinking about them. Yeah. Yeah, you should
2: be able to think critically about them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying it. Um, But I think, yeah, Courtney, I, 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 yeah, Uh, I agree. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I think that I mean his wanting to humanize the immigrant experience by by portraying you know by having black and brown people play Hamilton and like adding that kind of you know Puerto Rican flair that he did um, um yeah, I mean I think there's something to that. I mean, and if the, the founding fathers were human as much as immigrants and, you know, people that have been much maligned are human. It's just um Yeah. There's just a lot of progress to be made. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but just talking about it. I think I say Uh, You know, the reason I call it a piece of propaganda, partially, I mean, it is a personal story of just Hamilton, but he does also draw these parallels in the music and in in the words of, like, America being a scrappy country and, like, in the same way as Hamilton, like, rising from nothing to become great and it's also so that's sure a function of propaganda and then also um you know it's a question of what stories we tell as our origin stories and this origin story is of you know a a white a bunch of white people (laughs) (laughs) and not really acknowledging the the harm to black and indigenous people or their their stories you know there's obviously a lot of you know there could be good stories there that could be the origin story of our country but we just haven't told them or we've told them in this like tragedy porn sort of way Hmm.
2: I think it's selling two ideas that can be a little problematic and one is like The american dream if you come here with nothing um you can like create something for yourself and that is not true for many many people right um and it's also selling this idea uh i was reading on instagram about how the idea of like grit and um growth mindset which i have loved both of those terms for the past few years but if you like tell someone who doesn't have the same opportunities uh like just to stick things out and like just be better no matter what it can be callous to those people who have to try two or three times as hard to get like half as much
0: Uh yeah i think sometimes no matter how much grit you have if you don't have any opportunity yeah because you're historically discriminated against or you grew up in poverty and didn't have the same access to education or not even the same uh, basic resources that we all need, like you can't think about growth when you don't have yeah. food all you can think or about you're is discriminated your food is against
2: yeah or you're discriminated against because of like your name or your skin color, anything.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about how, I mean, obviously the concept of the American dream is so prevalent, but I feel like few people realize that it, for immigrants, it's rare that the American dream succeeds in one generation. Right. It's the children of the immigrants who come over, who have opportunities, but like their own father... I feel like he never realized the American dream that he hoped for. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: He was interested in, you know, like he never came over and made a lot of money. He never, you know, succeeded monetarily in the way that he wanted. But I feel like his children have, you know, we all have education. We all have decent jobs. It's, It's successive generations that achieve this American dream assuming they had opportunities like we did which I think you know we benefited from being white passing and having educational opportunities
1: right Right.
0: I don't know how much white passing had to do with our educational opportunities though
1: it had to do with like being lucky to be to live in a like a good school district. I'm sure I mean not i I'm not trying to dismiss white the white passing privilege that we have. I just don't know how much it has played into educational
0: opportunities.
1: Well like I, yeah, I mean think of I'm thinking about like our most of us went to Baker, although Lincoln uh I went to a
2: different one. Yeah,
1: I went to a different elementary school. But, um, I mean, Baker was, like, what, 90% white? I mean, 90% black, at least. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then I, so I was at Baker until fourth grade, and then they, like, rezoned. And I got sent to Verina, a different elementary school for fifth grade. And that school was, like, a mile up the road and probably, like, 75% white. I didn't know that.
2: Yeah. Oh, it was not 75% white when I went to Bruyne. Yeah, sure.
1: <laughs> or What was it? What were the...
2: Um, I remember there being, like, maybe three or four white kids in my class, and the majority were black after that.
1: Interesting.
0: Well, also, that was my experience with elementary school, too. And then, I rem- for me at least, I tested into a special middle school the International Baccalaureate Program, which I think they have them around the country, but I went yeah. to Moody. I don't know which of you went to Moody, but I would say that <laughs> all, was yeah, we, 95% we all went to Moody. white, if not 100%. Right, it was mostly
1: white out there. Um, um,
2: there were a lot of Asians and Indians and much more white kids than there were at um, Verina for me.
1: I don't know if you guys, like in elementary school, if this is a thing that they did for you. But, like, I was somehow, like, uh, picked out of the class along with, like, three or four other kids to go outside during, like, math, I think, math and maybe some science lessons and, like, have our gifted lessons, quote-unquote, in the hallway um, with, like... In middle school? In in elementary school. school. Yeah, I did that. Um, What? No, that didn't happen to me. Oh, yeah. It so was they, like, yeah, they pulled you out into this gifted program, right? And That's I do fucked remember, up. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't remember how we were picked, but it was like we were we would go outside in the hallway, and it was, I believe it was me, one other, one other black kid, and two other white kids, and then the whole rest of the class was black, and um you know we would have to like walk past everybody to go out to the hallway and i remember kids being like you know making faces at us <laughs> and like being like you know rude or whatever and i was like oh, you know feeling weird about it but you don't understand I mean, the dynamics at play exactly yeah just, oh, i don't okay. blame those kids oh totally. i
2: more blame the teachers for like distinctly separating you as um, other and then leaving the rest of the kids to have um, what I'm assuming is a lesser education than they were giving the gifted kids. Well, right,
1: yeah. So it would be, I guess it was like remedial or whatever. Yeah. They, But like, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm just in thinking back about that after reading through how like racism pervaded every aspect of life. Basically, I'm like, yeah it it's just is so bleak thinking about uh, how as children, we absorb what's happening around us and how adults are teaching us things, whether they're doing it consciously or subconsciously about you know right. about our identities and about who we are and mm-hmm. because of race and I don't know, it's just as. I'm not sure that's the tangent you wanted to get out on, but, I mean, go off on, but that's what was coming to mind.
0: No, it's fine. I feel like we, I mean, we didn't grow up with a lot of money, so I can't say that we, in that sense, we came from privilege, but we did come from, you know, like a stable family with two parents. Right. Who, and like a school infrastructure where, I don't know how, but somehow we all or most of us tested into special programs where we could be bused to different schools farther away than where we lived for free because our parents couldn't have afforded any special schooling to get a better Mm -hmm. education than we would have gotten in our home district, which was more socioeconomically diverse than the schools that we went to. So in yeah. that way, we had, like, immense opportunity.
2: That is really fucked up now that I think about it. Because it used to take me, like, an hour to bus to Moody Middle School. I would, like, they would bus me to this bus hub, which right. was at another school. Oh. I'd wait until all the buses got there, and I'd switch buses until I could get to Moody.
0: Yeah, me it was too. very, very long. So in that way, we did have, you know, immense opportunity.
2: Yeah,
1: I think our county um,
0: was one of the better ranked,
1: or however those metrics were, for, at the time that we were there in terms
0: of quality of schools. Um, I think you're right. I think we got a tremendous education. Not only was there like governor school, but there were um satellite high schools across the entire county depending on what your particular interests were. You know, science and technology school, art high school, whatever high school, international baccalaureate high school. Do you know what I mean? There was a lot of opportunity for specialization at a very young age.
2: <laughs>
1: Which one was language immersion? I always thought that was interesting. Tucker I think it was Tucker, yeah.
2: Well Tucker had I B too, but did they? Yeah, Tucker had its own IB program, and Henrico was the IB high school. Um, they were like sister schools, I know, because I went to Henrico when y'all went to Governors. But I've
0: never, I've never okay. met anyone else who expressed a similar array of choice, you know, as we had related to high school. Right, there were like ten different high schools I had to test into, but in theory, could then choose to go to. <laughs>
1: But I think that was only out of the gifted program that we were a part of at middle a middle school. So like, I don't think the, like it was only a select number of kids that were part of this whole like complicated busing program to get everybody to the schools they wanted to go to because everybody else was just going to their home school.
2: For middle school, that's true. But for high school, like you could apply to get into one of the specialty programs at all these different high schools. And then do the busing thing for high school.
1: Oh yeah, you would still have
0: to like test into them. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we were we were lucky. I mean, we did have opportunity, and I'm yes, I'm grateful for that. I don't know how that reads into our own identity as Americans, but maybe it just like reaffirms that that thread of American dream, you know, at least ran through our experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to think back on like, you know, our neighborhood, our like school district, our church community, our family, like our parents, I don't know all these different like social Dynamics that play into um, privilege and i'm I'm thinking about like my um my friend Bonnie just moved back to Richmond recently into like a neighborhood that is has like rapidly gentrified over the last decade. She's living in Churchill or Chimborazo area, which was. Um, I think pretty exclusively black up until maybe the late 80s, 90s. I need to check my history there. But now it's like, you know, there's bakeries, coffee shops. Lincoln, you lived there for briefly.
2: Yeah, I lived there for a year. And I I used to bike around, so I know, like, you're on some streets and it's, like, all of these new cafes and, like, proper pie companies just down the road. And then you go, like, two blocks down and it looks... Uh, it's still kind of a shithole.
1: Right. I mean, I think cities all over the country. In Charlotte, where I live now, there's places exactly like that um, where it's like bougie and then you drive two streets over and you're, you know, the houses look like they're falling apart.
2: Yeah. And
1: um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that we can function in this society without... Without being a party to some of these these powers that oppress other people, it's hard. It's I mean, even thinking about like where you shop, like I've been looking at places. It's like, does everywhere use slave labor? Like, is that yeah. like part of it? are we all like? Oh. I've been kind
2: of shocked recently because I didn't realize like. How many companies uh use prison labor,
1: right, yeah,
2: and that prison labor yeah. is like, so prevalent as a punishment, and we have like the largest prison uh population in the world that's nuts, that's modern slavery,
1: right, yeah, you've watched that thirteenth documentary um
2: I haven't, but I will if you send it to me,
1: oh you should I think it on, it's Netflix. on Netflix, yeah,
2: it's good. Cool. It's good. Anyway,
0: that was a. No, it's all good thoughts. I feel like. I mean, obviously, racism has shaped our country. Yeah. And one great thing we can do is resource ourselves by continuing to read and learn more. For example. Mm I've been trying to read and both listen to because there's a podcast as well, Nicole Hannah Jones 1619 Project, which are like historical essays, but with the perspective of slavery and how it influenced the country. Like she talks about how when Thomas Jefferson was writing the Declaration of Independence, you know, and coining the words, We hold these truths to be self evident that all men are created equal. He had his brother-in-law, who was a slave, there with him, serving him, (laughs) you know, while he's holed up in Philadelphia or wherever, taking time to, like, pen this most treasured and important of all our documents. So, clearly, he didn't have this person in mind.
2: Right, right. We
0: truly would all be equal, and so I do think, I think it is helpful. resource ourselves and and one more thing on that before we keep going is that like i hadn't heard frederick Douglass's speech what to the slave is the fourth of july i'm ashamed to say like until this year i had never read it i had never even heard of it Mm -hmm. in which he's giving this speech he basically is like why did they ask me to even give this speech he, like he saying, right. the fourth of <laughs> july doesn't apply to me i'm not equal and like he said i say it with a sad sense of the disparity between us i am not included within the pale of this glorious anniversary your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us which is like comical mm-hmm. at the same time that it's horribly sad so it's like these things like why wasn't this part of our Even our own privileged education is, like, showing where we have more room to go. William.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Trying to continue to learn and to grow. But, I don't know, it's always circling in my mind, like, what does it mean to be an American and how have, like, these different how is this mythos or how has racism shaped our country and like acknowledgement is the first step toward change we have to recognize how things came to be the way that they are now to move forward like another example is I read an article recently or maybe one of you sent it to me I can't remember about Los Angeles and how like the highway system itself was the product of racism and how the freeway cut through both segregated neighborhoods and historically black neighborhoods but not white neighborhoods and how that whole you know how how it causes more smog to those populations and how it kept neighborhoods from being segregated and it kept black Los Angeles What is it called? What do you call yourself? Los Angelites? Los Angelinos. (laughs) Angelina, Just Angelinos. How how it kept, like, Black Angelinos from having, historically, you know, owning property, or, like, from being able to live on the right side of the tracks. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, it's, like, very intentional. And that happened in most American cities. It happened in Richmond.
0: Oh, I didn't know that it happened in Richmond. Yeah, Jackson Ward
1: was, like, the Black neighborhood. And it's, like, if you go down Broad Street, the highway, like, cuts right through it. I mean, it happened in most cities, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I think that they didn't have the voice. Even if they had the voice, I mean, they weren't able to be heard to protect their neighborhoods from being having highways district, you know, right through them. Right. But, yeah. I, yeah. Feel like, I feel like I've been very depressing. We've got the good news is that. <laughs> <Really> depressing. <laughs> The good news is like that this is our country that the work that we have to do starts at home that we we lead the engagement, we set the agenda. We have to be the ones changing the future. Right.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
0: I'm hopeful about I'm hopeful about this
1: you know, the next generation and on and on and what we'll be able to accomplish. I think my It's definitely, like, sobering to realize how your, like, apathy about politics and just the white supremacist narrative that we've all swallowed since we were born um, has made us, like, a party to all these things happening Um, and people suffering. I don't want to be too, like, vague about it because it is like actual people suffering because of
0: yeah the thing that disturbs me the most uh which i am a little embarrassed to admit it but it it's also just based on circumstance is i have way more white friends than i have black friends or people of color friends Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's because Like my college that I went to, BYU, not very diverse. The cities that I lived in after college, Boston, you know, in Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, here, even in my neighborhood in New York, it's just not diverse. And how, how could I have known any of these things moving in? I didn't. You know, I was just like looking at listings and trying to find a place. But why is it? Why is it that? I have lived in neighborhoods or had my life experiences, you know, which were, if we're privileged, have rarely even given me the opportunity, (laughs) you know, to have close relationships with people of color. And I have some, but I feel like I have few compared to how many white people I'm friends with.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I, I think a lot of that is or at least part of that is not necessarily by accident, you know, not, I mean, I mean, I, I just mean that like the white supremacist powers that be that, that, that shape every aspect of our society have kind of reinforced these are staying within our color lines to a certain extent.
0: Well, it's. Exactly. Um, That's exactly it. And another thing that I feel horrible about is I feel like my friends of color who I've met here in New York, I've all met at work and they were all people working in lower positions than me at work. And why is that? Like why have I had the opportunity to be in higher positions and my friends at work? Who are of color are not in leadership? They're in like the hierarchically low, lower positions.
1: Yeah.
0: Almost but, without fail.
1: Yeah, now you're in a position to be like as a manager to bring it up, you know. Why is this a thing in my office? Like why why do we not have any Right, you can advocate.
0: Yeah, I actually already put a plan in place for every time we hire to ensure that we have, you know, at least three candidates of color in our pool, like that we will intentionally have a recruiter seek out people who have not applied, but with the correct backgrounds. Because if you don't have diverse people, even in your pool, you can't hire. You're not going to hire anyone diverse if there's no one diverse in your pool. And right. that's like not only color but gender too. There's like far fewer women in leadership than men. I oh, mean men in leadership than women. <laughs> I was dreaming. <laughs>
2: oh yeah. Well it's it's good to have a diverse perspective from like all different angles. So like gender, race, sexual orientation, um, you should probably have representatives from all within your company if possible.
0: Yeah. So we got a ways to go. Um, Before we end, what do you think that we can do personally? You know, like having talked about these things, is there anything, you know, like, local to us that we think is a good first step we could advocate not just for each other, but for anyone listening? Like, what do you think is the way to get started to make a change?
1: Um, I think the main thing that I have realized in these last few weeks is just financially the the means that I have to help is you know limited it's but I am but I am able to like put my money behind like you were saying at the beginning you know put my money behind black businesses and black um, art and And music and all these different, you know, aspects of Black culture or or Black economy that I have, like, appreciated and benefited from. I can actually, like, pay money to them directly instead of supporting some of these other businesses. That's, like, the main thing that I haven't really thought that much about before that I've been trying to. It's just, like, giving money to, to... to people Mm -hmm. people.
0: no I think that isn't it's easy to do it takes very little effort and it's hugely impactful
1: good
0: thinking Lauren yeah Uh, good good
1: good good thinking
0: good thinking (laughs) (laughs) I'm tired does anyone have any last thoughts they want to share before we wrap this up
2: Yeah, um, I want to just sort of echo Lauren and say that you should try to donate to causes that you think will help improve our nation as a whole. But also, I would recommend like looking for um, organizations that you can donate to uh, that you will like will be recognized for tax purposes so that you can ultimately end up giving less money to the government. Um, And with like whatever money you have retained, um, you could donate that back into more causes that you uh, think are worthwhile.
0: Tax subterfuge. He went straight for it.
1: Straight for the Uh, decor.
0: I could talk a lot about that on another episode because I need to figure that out in my own life. Since, I mean, obviously, I think it's good to pay taxes and there are things that we need, but I think that we pay. (laughs) Sorry, I shouldn't have ended with this. I have lots of thoughts on this.
2: (laughs) Sorry, but I just, brought it up. I
0: was just going to say that we pay, there's like little transparency with, with where our tax money goes. And I know that I personally pay about a third of my income in taxes. And Yikes. that is painful considering that, you know, like our president probably pays 0% in taxes. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah.
2: okay.
0: Well,. I love you guys. I appreciate you. It's fun getting together. I uh, I don't know how many people really listen to our podcast, but it's been really fun for me to get to know you guys better.
2: Yeah, I've liked this a yeah. lot, too.
1: Me, too. Thanks for having me.
0: Anytime, <laughs> Lauren. All right. Love you guys. Have a great week. Love, love you, me too. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. Smell you later.